over here, all right, my sergeant served a search warrant on your property. Okay? We have Kayla. Excuse me? We have Kayla in your property. She was locked in a container. Okay? She has told us that you shot and killed Charlie. Whoa, whoa. See that guy right there? Looks like he's hit rock bottom. Well, that's actually Todd Colehep. Believe it or not, he was once a successful real estate broker in South Carolina. But you might believe that he's always been unstable. Who is Todd Colehep? Todd Colehep shot Charlie Carver three times in the Apparently, everybody's been shot up here. Everybody's laying down in a pool of blood. We know he killed at least seven people between 2003 and 2016, but there's a good chance there are many more victims. From a very young age, the people around Todd recognized that he was unstable. As a young child, he threatened to kill his mom. He killed his goldfish with Clorox bleach because he wanted a gerbil. He locked a boy in a dog cage and rolled him around the street until he cried. A devil on a chain. That's what that boy's mom called Todd Colehep. Todd was being raised by his mom and she was doing everything she could to raise him as a normal child. She took him to therapy. He was on medication, but nothing seemed to work. And at one point she threw up her hands and she gave up. She sent her 14 year old son to live with his father. And that's where things really went downhill. Todd developed a crush on a girl at school. When he mustered up the courage to tell her, she friend-zoned him hard. But Todd, even from a young age, would take what he wanted if it didn't come easy. The girl lived on Todd's street, and their homes happened to share a back alley. Seeing this as an opportunity, he devised a plan to take what he wanted, and then he carried it out without hesitation. 15-year-old Todd waited until his father was out of town for his window to strike. He retrieved his father's pistol, and he waited for the girl's parents to leave, watching from the comfort of his own home. Once he saw them leave, he walked over to her place and he lured her out into the alley. He put the gun to her head, and he walked her back to his dad's house. When he got her back to his room, he used duct tape to cover her mouth, and he tied her to the bed with rope, materials that he had prepared ahead of time. He laid a large knife next to the bed, and he started to rape the 14-year-old. And when he finished, he untied her and told her if she told anybody that he would kill her younger siblings. Too bad for Todd, one of these siblings that he was threatening to kill had called the cops about his missing sister and her absence. When she got back, the police were already waiting on her, and she told them everything. And Todd was arrested thereafter. He was made to get a psychological evaluation. He seemed to show no emotion, no remorse. So Todd got 15 years for his violent crime. Colehep was released from prison after serving 14 years. While in prison, he graduated from Central Arizona College with a bachelor's degree in computer science. He started working as a graphic designer for Seven Sons and Company in Spartanburg. He worked there until November 2003. Only two years out of prison at this point, he went into the Superbike store and he bought a bike. 
Todd had no experience writing and was most likely looking for a shortcut to being an interesting person. When it turned out that it was too much bike for him, Todd returned to the store to see if he could exchange it, maybe for something smaller. According to him, he was teased by the employees, and he left in a fuss. A couple days later, the bike was stolen before Todd got to show anybody how cool he was. Since somebody from the shop had dropped it off, and they had bullied him, Todd assumed that they had stolen it, and he was going to get his revenge. On November 6, 2003, Todd entered Superbike Motorsports in Spartanburg County, South Carolina, and he murdered four people before walking out. Just minutes later, a customer walked in and found the bodies of Scott Ponder, the owner of the shop, Beverly Guy, his mother, and two employees, Brian Lucas and Chris Sherbert. Apparently everybody's been shot up here. Everybody's laying down in a pool of blood. His mama's been shot, the mechanic's been shot. When police arrived, they had absolutely nothing to go on. Nothing was stolen, there was even loose money on the counter untouched. The Superbike case went ice cold after the police spent a few years bumbling about and blaming the victim's friends and family members, and Todd was never questioned about the quadruple homicide until he confessed. There's no doubt that Todd Culhep was a man with a plan and the drive to get things done. In 2006, he got his real estate license in South Carolina. And in 2008, he continued to build his credentials, getting a bachelor's in business administration and marketing. After having success as an agent, he opened his own brokerage, TKA Real Estate, which he ran out of his Moore, South Carolina home. At its largest, it grew to have 12 agents. His success was a good disguise for the monster that he was hiding within, but the people close enough to him could see right through the cracks. He was overly forward with his female peers. He would shamelessly watch porn while he was in his office, subjecting his employees to several awkward encounters. He was even known to talk about his sex offender status openly, although downplaying the details of the event to a mere miscommunication. In 2014, Todd purchased a 95-acre tract of land near Woodruff, South Carolina, that he would call his compound. There, he began to stockpile weapons and survival gear, despite it being technically illegal for him to own a firearm because of his felon status, it didn't seem to be an issue for Todd. He amassed a trove of weapons on his property, including dozens of guns, suppressors, and pallets of ammunition. And then he began to carry out his next plan. Johnny and Megan Coxie were not the most upstanding citizens. In December 2015, they had just been released from jail. Both had spent time behind bars after their newborn tested positive for heroin. Megan Coxie met Todd Colehut shortly after while she was working at a Waffle House, where he often came in and left the waitresses huge tips and invited them back to his property. His behavior quickly labeled him as a creep by all the employees but he offered good money for easy labor from time to time, which is exactly how he lured Megan and her husband to his land. 
On December 19th, 2015, Todd picked them up and drove them out to his property. Once there, away from any witnesses, he shot Johnny in the chest two times, killing him, before handcuffing Megan in a metal shipping container. Todd had planned to keep Megan alive as a sex slave, but after she tried to light the container on fire with a pack of Newports that he had gotten her, he decided it was too much work and he would just kill her. He buried them both in shallow graves on his property. The investigators on the case, as well as many of the people that knew the couple, believed that their lifestyle may have been the cause of their disappearance. No one had any idea that they had fallen prey to Cole Hepp's trap until much later. Todd's aspiration of having his own sex slave was no closer to being complete, so he rejiggered his plan and started looking for a new couple to take. Kayla Brown was familiar with Todd Colehead. She had worked for him cleaning up some of his rent properties. But on August 31st, 2016, Todd invited Kayla and her fiance, Charlie Carver, to come out to his property and help him clear some land. When they arrived, Todd seemed normal, but it wasn't long until he initiated a confrontation with Charlie before pulling out a pistol and shooting him three times in the chest. After he forced Kayla to watch as he rolled up her fiancé in a blue tarp and put him in the bucket of a tractor, he locked Kayla in the same shipping container that Megan Coxie had been in. Over the next 65 days in captivity, a routine would develop. She would remain in the dark shipping container until Todd showed up to feed her once a day. He would also show up to rape her, which occurred much more frequently. But that would be the extent of Kayla Brown's human interactions for over two months. Unfortunately for old Todd, Kayla and Charlie wouldn't be written off like a pair of missing junkies. Both families were immediately worried about their sudden absence. Their apartment was checked and found to be empty, and by November 5th, there were missing persons reports for each of them. Fears that they were in trouble were amplified by the sudden post on Charlie's Facebook. One claimed that Carver and Brown were married and just fine, and others featured lyrics from Hotel California. Friends tried to reach out and see what was going on, but the responses they received were confusing and concerning. The families of both Kayla and Charlie believed the post on Charlie's wall to be made by somebody else. They came after weeks of silence, and the messages just didn't seem like they would be written by Charlie. After the suspicious posts on his page got traction, the police started getting a lot of tips for the missing couple. Many mentioned the couple being dead and on a 100-acre property in Woodruff. When police looked into it, it turned out that there was only one property in the area that was that big, and it belonged to Todd Colehep. When the police looked into the cell phone data, they saw that both of the missing couple's cell phones had pinged in Woodruff as well. So they knew they were onto something. Since Todd's primary residence was actually in Moore, South Carolina, the police planned a raid of both properties at the same time. Their plan was put into action on November 3rd, 2016. They found Todd at his Moore home and held him for questioning while the team in Woodruff was finding more and more disturbing scenes throughout the property, but no Kayla or Charlie. But then, while walking the property, one investigator heard soft bangings coming from inside a locked storage container. 
He approached slowly and quietly, not knowing what he was getting himself into. He knocked softly on the shell of the container, and it was met immediately with the screams of a woman. The investigators sprung into action, grabbing tools from one of Todd's sheds nearby, and went to work cutting open the container. Watch out, y'all move. Got what? Hey, Joey. Joey. Sheriff's office. 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 Todd Colehep shot Charlie Carver three times in the chest, wrapped him in a blue tarp, put him in the bucket of the tractor, locked me down here, and I never seen him again. Okay. He says he's dead and buried. He says there's several bodies dead and buried out here. And he okay. says Police already had Todd detained in his Moore, South Carolina home, so the officers there confronted Todd as information leaked over their radios. We have investigators. We have like 20 investigators on your property right now. And they have found her in the comics box. So she never left your property. So you're saying you didn't lock her up, you didn't put her in the comics box or anything? No, sir. I'm money to turn it. Probably a good thing. Go ahead and put him in the back of your car. Yes, sir. Todd must have realized that the cops weren't bluffing, though, because back at the station, he opened up and then some. Well, they were. Please understand this has been many, many years. Um, they proceeded to give me a little on the rude side about uh, my inability to, to, to ride a, that kind of bike. <clears throat> no one ever taught me. And the manager started making some comments about the last one being stolen. It, it was implied that <clears throat> we took your shit. Waterbird 92 FS. At the time, those only had 10-round mags because they had select limitation, and the aftermarket Pro Mags were god-awful. So how many mags? So you had 10, a 10-round magazine? Yes, sir. Three of them. Three 10-round magazines? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quite a few of those Kydex. Mm-hmm. They work very well. Uh, Bravo consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly recommend them. During his two-hour confession, Colehep speaks to the cops like they are new friends. I cleared in under 30 seconds. You what now? I cleared that door in under 30 seconds. You guys would have been proud. I'm sorry, but you guys would have been proud. Uh, proceed to go to the back mechanics area. Walked up, pulled out the Beretta, put the safety off. And what happened? Um, shot the mechanic twice. Downward angle. No, what you say? They, they heard. They had heard the gunshots in the back and were coming this way to figure out what had happened. I had all of a sudden I had three people in front of me. Mom was the closest, and I shot her two to three times in the chest. Uh, not my best work. The, the owner and the manager ran for the door, topped a few rounds, and got one of them in the back, and he crumpled in the door. Okay. Did a tactical reload. When I did my reload, 
before this guy got out, mm-hmm. I put two in him before, he, before, and he actually fell outside. Went out to the front parking lot, and I put, um, I put a round through the guy's forehead. He boasts about all the awful things he has done and describes his murders in great detail. Basically, offered the job, offered to let him go in and do it, come work as well. And I picked him up and I drove him to my land of kid supplies. Shot him twice okay. in the chest. Okay. He dropped forward. When he dropped forward, I went around him and put another one through a spinal column. Okay, and you shot her? Not exactly. I didn't know what to do with her, man. Um, one side, I really wanted to drop her. The next side, I really... It's not, <laughs> I kind of wanted to save her ass. I went down to the Conex, cleaned out the back area, because mm-hmm. I had shit all in there. Put her back there to her calm the hell down. Let me rethink this crap. When got Johnny, went over there and dug a hole, stuck him in it. Covered it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot more work than you think. I held her there for a couple days. Every other damn day, she wanted Little Caesar's pizza. I ate that shit. Look at the heartburn. So what happened with Megan? Um, put her in there. I didn't know what to do with her. And then she kept burning shit. In friggin' Newports. If you go down to my building, you'll find an unused package of Newports that I bought for her. And then he went bad shit. She took. She tried to light my damn building on fire. Do you know how? In the back of what building? The Connex. The last day, I went over there, uh, opened the Connex up. She burned half the friggin' building. Uh, this, I mean, she took my ammo racks and grabbed them and did this. Holy shit! Oh, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna, for such a little shit. Mm-hmm. Damn. So then what happened? I walked her outside, and when I walked her outside, I put a four in the back of her head. What gun did you shoot her with? Same one. Did you shot mm-hmm. Johnny, Johnny with? Mm-hmm. And that's a Glock? And that's the same one you shot Charlie. Charlie. It's not my favorite gun, it's just, it's just... It's a, it's a handy it's gun. It's a handy one. It's very effective. Police uncovered many grim details while investigating Todd's property and his secret life. Of all the findings, the reviews for products left on his Amazon account best exemplify just how shameless and cocky this asshole was. Now my locks have locks. Places Hotel California now. Keep in car for when you need to hide the bodies and you left the full-size shovel at home. Haven't stabbed anyone yet. Yet. But I am keeping the dream alive and when I do, it will be with a quality tool like this. Works excellent. Getting the neighbor to stand still while you chase him with it is hard enough without having an easy to use chainsaw. If someone talks back, go old school on them by putting this in a sock and beating them. They will not appreciate the hardened steel like you will. Works great on shipping containers. Prime, man, just can't beat that shit. Two or two day shipping. On May 26th, 2017, Cole Hepp pled guilty to seven counts of murder. The four superbike murders, Johnny and Megan Coxie and Charlie Carver, in a plea bargain to avoid the death penalty. At the time, his attorneys swore that there were no more victims as a part of the deal, but Todd has spoke consistently since then of having killed more. It could be another attempt by Todd to seem more interesting, 
but there's a very good chance that Todd Kohlhub has claimed many more victims. If you appreciate my one-man production here, hit that like button. Go ahead and subscribe and leave a comment below. Thank you and have a good night.